the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two on a Friday underway, six minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to J.D. Vance. We're waiting for our guest, Jonas Schultz, to join us on this uh, Friday, the fourth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And while we wait for Jonah, we can listen to you. Vince, calling us from Westlake. Let's get you right in at the top here. Hey, Vince, go ahead. Thanks, Bob. Um, Going back to your uh, assessment of Lindsey Graham's comments and your your, uh, comparison to Hitler, yeah. It's interesting. I was having this conversation yesterday with him, too, and we were thinking, you know, if this guy is looking to reestablish the previous, you know, Soviet Union block that he had years ago um, before he came into office, uh, I, I, I see a lot of comparisons, and it's pretty scary that more people haven't thought about this and recognized the fact that we could be re- reliving history. And to the point where Lindsey Graham says somebody might need to be taking him out or remove him or whatever in that. My God, I think everybody in the world has had that thought, and especially the Russian oligarchs who stand to profit from him being in there to a point, but also stand to lose a lot if he just continues to go crazy and wreak havoc on the whole European front. Yeah, and you know what you just said uh, at the beginning is right. Many, many, many experts um, who are you know well versed in foreign affairs and well versed in in Vladimir Putin have said that this is the beginning of his reconstitution of the Soviet Union. And in fact, yep. the fact that he has gone in he annexed Crimea without any uh, repercussions whatsoever just uh, uh, six or eight years ago. The fact that uh, six years ago, I beg no, it is eight years, twenty fourteen. Anyway, the, now he's doing this, and he is already threatened finland and sweden told them you even think about talking with the nato powers uh, and joining nato you're next i mean what what why is any why does anybody think that he as as a as a power mad communist strong man is going to be satisfied with just stopping ukraine from joining nato and taking it over Uh, guys like this uh are lifers they're big picture lifers. The, he knew he had to pause for four years because he didn't know what the strong, powerful, and unpredictable Donald Trump would, would do. So he waited. He just bided his time. He said, okay, when the next weakness is shown, I'll take my next step. People don't think that this guy is in it for the long haul to rebuild the Soviet empire that so many communist, dictatorial, powerful leaders, uh, uh, you know, uh, still wish was in place. Uh, and if you have a chance to nip that in the bud, maybe Lindsey Graham is in such a nut. That's that's all I'm saying. One other quick, yeah. One other quick thing too regarding that. You're right about Trump too. This didn't happen during Trump and that. But a lot of people aren't thinking about one other little thing that's uh, you know kind of sitting on the sideline there, and that is President Xi in China just watching this whole scenario unfold. 
watching how we respond to it, watching how the world responds to it, and then deciding how he's going to make his next move on Taiwan and God help us possibly even further than that. So thanks, exactly. Bob, for, as always, Thank taking you. my call. Great, great call. Great call. Great uh, lessons there as well, uh, Vincent. I appreciate it. I mean, I made the comparison before. When, when, and I kind of started with Poland in 1939 when I said when Hitler invaded Poland. But actually, they think I believe they, they uh, invaded and occupied Czechoslovakia first. Um, contravention of international law. And everybody said, well, you know, that's uh, that's an unfortunate thing, and they just kept on going about their married way. And then, uh, a little bit later, in uh, in 1939, he invades Poland. Uh, and then, a little bit later on, he invades and occupies Denmark and Norway, and then Netherlands and Belgium and Luxembourg and France, and on and on we go. And so we, you know, we end up with what we did. And I think, again, and I know I'm doing the hindsight thing here, which is 2020 vision, and we look and see what he did and how far it went and how many people died. And so it's easy to say, well, if we could have killed him or had somebody in the uh, in the SS take him out after his first invasion of, a, of another country with an intent on world domination, wouldn't we have encouraged them to do that? Somebody take him out? And the answer is yes, with hindsight. Now, do we think that Putin is going to do what Hitler did and, and, and be able to get away with that? I don't know. But I do know that he continues to invade foreign countries with impunity. And there may come a time years from now when the hindsight of some talk show host is going to be 2020 vision and somebody's going to say, why didn't somebody kill Putin from within Russia back in 2022 when he went into Ukraine? Right? What if that's a talk show in 2050? What if that's a talk show in 2080? I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. I, I don't know. I just know that I don't think it's it should be as easy as it is for people to dismiss Lindsey Graham as being some sort of a warmongering, war-hawking nut in this regard. And by the way, he's not saying America should go to war with Russia. He's not saying America should in any, any way, shape, or form be the ones to do it. He said, but isn't there a Brutus isn't there a Brutus in the Roman Senate willing to take out the tyrant Julius Caesar? Uh, and in this case, it's uh, uh, you know within Russia for Vladimir Putin. I don't think it's a, it's worth discussing and not just dismissing. How about that? Discuss rather than dismiss. I think is appropriate in this in this uh, situation. All right. Having said all of that, and I thank you, Vince. Uh, I want to pivot now back to politics here in the state of Ohio, as I promised. Jonah Schultz joining us now. Jonah, you've been on a few times with me, and every time I introduce you as a candidate for Congress in the 13th Congressional District to try to uh, replace outgoing disgraced, in my opinion, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, I can't introduce you as that anymore now, can I? No, not quite. Well, we'll see what Marina O'Connor <laughs> has to say on the Supreme Court. That's what we're always waiting on these days. Right. Well, that's exactly right. And for those who don't, first of all, thanks for joining us, uh, Jonah. I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, you know, the summary of the uh, summary uh, of it is this: the redistricting commission twice presented constitutional and fair new newly drawn maps uh, for approval, and they were shot down uh, by Maureen O'Connor, who's a Republican chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, siding with the Democrats and said, "No, I don't like it. Make it more fair." Second time, no, I don't like that one either. Make it more fair. Third time, Lord only knows what she is going to say, but if this one does hold, and if she does approve this one, you won't be in that 13th district race to replace Anthony Gonzalez. You'll be going after an incumbent in the 7th district, right? 
That's right. We'll be in the seventh district. And what the seventh district is is it's 100 percent of Medina County, 100 percent of Wayne County, uh, southern and western portions of Cuyahoga, and then the northernmost portions of Holmes County. It's actually 90 percent, roughly, uh, the vast majority of communities that were in the original 16th district. So it's been an area that I have been campaigning and been active in for the last 13 months. And really, as I've said from the beginning of my campaign, this this is about so much more than one election or one district. This is really about a grassroots movement of working class Americans reclaiming our rights and sending a true constitutional conservative to D.C. So while some of the district lines have changed and will change uh, and we're no longer dealing with Anthony Gonzalez, the, the decision is still really clear. Are we going to look backwards? Are we are we going to go with the money, go with the endorsements, go with who the GOP establishment wants us to support? Or are we going to really finally go boldly forward with young, courageous America first conservatives who will, who will bring a much needed culture change to DC. And, and we need leaders who are going to be on the front lines, never shying away from a fight. And, and this is really about sending the next Jim Jordan to Congress. And, and so I have, I have made that very clear what my goals are moving forward. Uh, and regardless of what district who we're going up against, this is so much bigger than just one politician, one district or one race. Um, that's a pretty strong statement you just made there. This is about sending the next Jim Jordan to Congress. Is that how you view yourself? Well, like I said to you, I think in my first interview, I, I don't I don't match myself up with any single one politician. But what I will say is when I look at somebody like Jim Jordan and, and the conservatives that we need moving forward in Congress, we need conservatives who are going to be on the front lines of every issue, never backing away from the fight, always being vocal, always being active, always rallying support. And when you look at somebody in Ohio like Jim Jordan, who does that on a daily basis, who is always on the front of these issues, that's what we need moving forward. We can't have anybody who stands in the shadows or backs off from a fight. Uh, Jim Jordan is, is somebody that has shown that when you fight, we can win. Look at Ron DeSantis down in Florida. When you're on the front lines, when you don't back down, when you take the fight to the left, uh, we will win. And that's what we have to really uh, model ourselves off going forward as a Republican Party. We're talking to Jonah Schultz. He's a congressional candidate, now uh, going to be going after not just another primary opponent in Max Miller, but also an incumbent, which changes things considerably in District 7, which is Bob Gibbs. Do you have any thoughts on the incumbent? Well, I'm going to make this campaign, you know, as I've made the entire campaign about what I can bring to the table is restoring our God-given rights, putting our Constitution first. But with any candidate, we have to look at their record. We have to understand that we have to move forward from individuals who like Bob Gibbs, who have spent, you know, 20 years in government. And we have to look who's funding a lot of these individuals. You know, one of the, the big events that I had, a big protest that I attended was down in Smuckers at the plant where they laid off lots of workers, lots of my supporters down uh, in Orville in Wayne County uh, because they didn't want to get the jab. Uh, you know, Bob Gibbs, uh, the, the Smuckers family is big donors to Bob Gibbs. Uh, Bob Gibbs endorsed Jane Timken uh, and subsequently had multiple Timkins maxing out to his campaign. And obviously Jane Timken being one of those uh, individuals who defended Anthony Gonzalez's impeachment vote. Uh, when you have somebody like Bob Gibbs with extremely close ties to the pro-open borders, pro-cheap labor, U.S. Chamber of Commerce, getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign funds from them, uh, tens of thousands from First Energy, uh, you know, really we have to learn from the past of are we going to look backwards? We understand who owns so many of these candidates. I'm not speaking on Bob Gibbs personally on his character or anything like that, mm -hmm. but we need a clean slate moving forward. We've seen the reruns before, and this election is too important to 
go backwards. We have to move forward boldly, courageously with constitutional conservative leadership, and that's what I'm going to bring to the table. So, Jonah, what is uh, what is your feeling on you know how how to campaign? I asked um, who was I talking to the other day about this very same question. Um, Oh, it was Josh. It was Josh Mandel about the Senate race. Uh, it just talked about how, you know, uh, we're waiting for the Ohio primary, which is on May 3rd. And what if it gets pushed back? What if this, what if these lines are not yet approved and they have to delay, uh, the, the primary in its, uh, in its entirety? They don't have it in May if they got to push it into June or July or whatever. How does that change your campaign strategy? Especially if you don't know if these lines are, if these lines are not approved, Jonah, you've got to go through this all over again and say, okay, now it looks like I'll be running for the blank district according to the new line. So let me talk to those people now and here's what I bring to the table. That's got to be really, really aggravating, isn't it? It is. And if you look at this process, the way it's dragged out, the way it's been handled, you have to evaluate who does this benefit. And it benefits incumbents and it benefits candidates who have a lot of money, as most of these processes normally do. It disadvantages the grassroots candidates because we are focused on getting the word out on the ground. Our campaign team has knocked over 30,000 doors. Now, with these new lines, nearly every single one of those doors is in the current district. So we're very uh, pleased about that. But Moving forward, what we have to do is you can only control, uh, you know, your actions. So all of these things, you know, when I was playing sports, when I was playing baseball, it was about grinding. It was about putting your head down and doing the work, and that's what we've done in this campaign by knocking 30,000 doors. That's why it's attended over 250 events. And the goal from the beginning has been get to every human being that is humanly possible for me to get to because what we're trying to do in this campaign not just win votes we're trying to we're trying to change hearts and minds and we're trying to activate the next generation of activists uh who are going to go out and make more change and bring in more voters and bring in more conservatives into this fold so everything we do has a much bigger mission than just getting a vote here or a vote there so that makes the process even if i wind up campaigning you know i campaign in portage county i campaign in stark county that you know barring anything unforeseen will not be part of this district but i was able to gain supporters out there who are doing amazing things who have started clubs who have been politically active just based of, uh, off of our interaction so that is by no means any waste of time so we have to have a big picture vision as conservatives because the one thing the left does really well and democrats do really well is they activate people they get people mobilized and then they go win at the polls that's what we have to start doing as conservatives so when it comes to Selling myself as an individual on what I bring to the table, I'm, you know, I've signed a pledge to support term limits. I've signed a pledge to investigate Dr. Fauci and bring his government salary down to zero dollars. I'm the only candidate to vocally and, and proactively support House Bill 248. I'm the only candidate who's funded 100 percent by individual contributions. So I'm really the only candidate that's strictly beholden uh, to the people. As I've said, I've stood shoulder to shoulder with these people fighting these vaccine mandates, teachers, nurses, tradesmen at whether it's a Cleveland Clinic, Smuckers, BWXT, or any of these uh, events fighting these unconstitutional mandates. Uh, and I'm really the only candidate that's talking about the policy that, that we must pursue when Republicans take back the House, like banning all these mandates, abolishing the ATF and the Department of Education. A lot of people will call some of my goals and policies unrealistic. Well, they will be and continue to be unrealistic if we continue to elect the same Republicans. So we need a much we have a much needed culture change that needs to take place in D.C. We need a workforce mentality, a blue collar mentality to return to the halls of Congress. And, then, and that's why I'm running. And that's why we believe no matter what the lines are, we have a we have a pathway to victory. And we've seen that support on the ground. 
Jonah Schultz is our guest. He is uh, running for Congress. Uh, he thought he was running in 13. Now he may be running in 7, uh, depending on whether or not the Ohio Supreme Court approves the newly drawn lines. Last question for you, Jonah. That was all about campaigning. Now let me just ask you quickly about uh, where we are right now and what kind of an impact you could have on uh, this country that is facing so many domestic problems. Uh, as you watched Joe Biden wag the dog for for 15 minutes out of his 60 minutes talking about Ukraine, on uh, on Tuesday night, then he actually had to address what's going on here at home. What was your takeaway from the State of the Union? Well, there are two things that really stuck out to me. I mean, the entire speech was obviously disingenuous. Most of it was, fo- was, was focused on what we can do in the future because he has no accomplishments to go off of right now. Uh, one of uh, the quotes that stuck out to me was he was talking about the gun violence in America and why do gun manufacturers not hold any liability? They're the only industry uh, in America that doesn't hold any liability for their products. And, and I thought to myself, has he heard about the vaccine industry? Has he, has he never heard of Pfizer or Moderna or any of these uh, vaccine injuries that are taking place that they can't be held accountable for? And as well as his, uh, his refusal to open up our energy in the United States by restoring the uh, Keystone Pipeline and opening up drilling and fracking in the U.S., we're going to be releasing 60 million barrels of, of oil uh, that we have in reserve. That's not even go- enough for the United States to operate for three days. Uh, right. And so all of his plans, uh, you know, there, there's no meat to any of this. It's, it's the same kind of mumbo-jumbo and bumbling and stumbling that we've heard from him for years and for decades, really, as a politician. And I think so many people around this country are waking up, and, and, and we've seen how this country, our race relations are worse than ever. Our kids are behind in school. Parents have less rights over their children. Our medical freedom has been taken away from us. Inflation at all-time high. Gas is approaching $4 a gallon here in Northeast Ohio. Everything is going wrong right now. The world is in total chaos. And everything you can draw a direct line to the leftist government under the Biden administration and their failures to really put America first. That's what everything comes down to is, do we care about the American people? Are we going to put their interests first? Or are we going to continue to empower the Democrat Party who does not give one hell about your future, your children, or your prosperity. Yeah. No, there's uh, there's little question of that. Uh, they've made that very, very clear. Jonah Schultz, uh, really appreciate you coming on. Best of luck dealing with the new shift. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a change for everybody. Hopefully we'll get a, get some finality to this now and get the Supreme Court to sign off on it so that you can actually campaign between now and May uh, with confidence that you're talking to the right voters. I appreciate you coming on to share it with us. Thanks, Jonah. Absolutely, Bob, and everyone go to SchultzForCongress.com. There you go. That's Jonah Schultz. We'll take a quick time out and come right back. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1026. Uh, now we're guest-free the rest of the way. Now we can truly go all in on Free For All Friday. So whatever topic you want to get into, we will take. And there's a ton of them. Did you notice what happened with the National Football League? And you know I stopped watching it. But this is interesting. The NFL has lifted all COVID restrictions. All of them. No more testing of players. No more quarantining. No more screwing up schedules. And they did all of this just, what, two months after harassing Aaron Rodgers and others for not following their little COVID restrictions to the letter that they liked. So the NFL is coming around. 
more and more and more as Vladimir Putin walks through the door, the COVID um, pandemic is walking out the door, except if you're Joe Biden and you're a leftist. Because if you're Joe Biden, you can't quit the vaccines and you can't quit the mask orders. When is Joe Biden going to do what the NFL just did and say, federal employees, military members, you're no longer going to get booted from your jobs if you don't have the double jab and the boost. And if you don't have uh, the mask on at all times, we're not going to, you're not going to make these mandates anymore. We're going to lift them. When is he going to come? You heard him on, uh, uh, on the State of the Union. He said, we can't give up on the vaccines. He still wants everybody taking these jabs, even though the rest of the world is done with this nonsense. Boris Johnson in, in uh, England lifted every British uh, uh, mandate. Uh, as I just noted, uh, more and more industries, and in this case the National Football League, are ending their restrictions. It's over. And nothing illustrates the difference between a conservative and a liberal or a progressive or a leftist than Ron DeSantis and Joe Biden. I'll explain that after the bottom of the hour, because uh, uh, just keep the words COVID theater in your mind, and I'll tell you that story after the bottom of the hour news. Uh, let's get Charlie on the air real quick before the bottom of this hour. Charlie in uh, Westlake, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, very important show today. Thank All you. your guests, very important. Uh, I'm talking about something I believe in prayer very well, uh, very much. Uh, Josh Mandel is hosting a prayer rally to free Ukraine on Wednesday, this the, the ninth at nine o'clock in the morning, over here in Westlake at Ascent Church. I hope everybody who believes in prayer, because that's what's going to take. Ukraine's being dominated by by another Hitler. The guy we should have known this was coming. He's been an assassin and a killer for years. And the more you do anything, the easier it is. And that's what he's done. He's become a mass murderer, and he's got to go. I agree with Lindsey Graham. Somebody's got to take him out. We can't be the one. We can't go to war. This guy's got nuclear. He's Hitler with nuclear weapons. It's a whole different ball game. But we yeah, have the to only, pray for the Ukraine. The only, the, and I agree with the prayers, by the way. Thank you for the call, uh, Charlie. The only, the only element to that that we have to consider is, again, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. What if, just for the sake of this discussion, as I said, I don't have all the answers, but I, but I want to discuss rather than dismiss. They, they're dismissing Lindsey Graham as being a kook for suggesting, suggesting that a Russian patriot should take out their mass-murdering, invading leader uh, for the benefit of the rest of the world. Let's discuss it, not dismiss it. And my first discussion point would be, what if, by some unknown miracle, we find out that Vladimir Putin is the moderate? What if we find out that Vladimir Putin is the best option available because he's only invading Ukraine and he's not using nuclear power to do it. What if the next guy who were to fill his void, if Vladimir Putin were to, were to be taken out, what if the next guy is a thousand times more aggressive than Putin? Then we'll be wishing he was back. So, like I said, I don't think we can dismiss Lindsey Graham Putin may be indeed, as I said to uh, J.D. Vance, trying to reconstitute, and, uh, and uh, to uh, other, another caller, too, trying to reconstitute, it was Vince, that's right, the Soviet Union. He may be the worst there is, but what if he's not? What if there's someone worse waiting in the wings, trying to get that weakling, that moderate-minded Putin, out of the way? What if that's who does the job and does the brutish job on Putin's Julius Caesar? And we all come to regret that. So all of those considerations need to be made before we decide what we really should be doing. Let's discuss after the news, AM 1420, The Answer.
from their woke slumber. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Onward now at 1037, 23 minutes of outstanding awesome and your phone calls to come here. 216-901-0945. Let's make it free for all. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to ask about is fine. Let me just hit super quick the DeSantis story. You probably saw the video. I've posted it on all of my social medias. I posted it on my Getter account. Follow me there at AlwaysWriteWHK. I posted it on my Instagram, and I posted it on my Facebook. Um, Ron DeSantis was given a little talk at the University of South Florida, and um, as a backdrop, behind the podium were a bunch of students standing there in masks waiting for him to approach and come up and give his speech. They were there basically for window dressing. And um, he walked up onto the stage and looked at them and said, take those things off. Uh, in fact, let me, can I just, yeah, I think I can play it. I don't have to describe it to you. Let me just play this for you real quick. This is what Ron DeSantis said, uh, to, uh, the students as he walked onto the stage. Some people thought it was just really way aggressive, but let's let you decide. Listen up. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this focus theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right. Well, it's good to be at U.S. So what he did was, again, you heard it. He looked at the students and said, take those things off. They're useless. Uh, and uh, if you want to wear them, that's fine. But uh, we got to stop with the COVID theater. COVID theater is best expressed, by the way, by the president of the United States. I posted, as I said on my socials, these pictures. First of all, the video that I just shared with you, the audio portion of. But on Monday, Joe Biden walking through a field by himself, outdoors, wearing a face mask, literally by himself as he walked out toward Marine One. He wasn't being accompanied by anybody he could have breathed upon. By the way, the triple uh, uh, jabbed Joe Biden, but he's wearing a mask. Then, on Tuesday night at the State of the Union address, with millions of people watching, it's an empty, it's a Congress, rather, that was uh, uh, empty of masks, or a Congress that did not have any masks. And Joe Biden is seen in several pictures, nose to nose with other people, whispering or sniffing their hair or whatever, I don't know, but literally nose to nose with all of these people. And then the next, with that's with millions of Americans watching. Then the next day, at a, at a, at a stop in, uh, uh, where was this? Was it, I think it was in Wisconsin. It was in Milwaukee, perhaps. Joe Biden, standing there waiting to speak at a podium, wearing a mask. So in other words, Monday mask. Tuesday, everybody's watching. And we're trying to show that we're not afraid of COVID anymore. And we lifted the, the, the uh, uh, mask mandates in Congress. And then Wednesday, when he doesn't think as many people are going to see it, he's wearing a mask again. That is COVID theater. It's virtue signaling. That's it. It's virtue signaling. Nothing else. I heard somebody uh, online describe the mask for the left is the modern day or the present day American flag lapel pin. Remember after 9-11, everybody was questioning, where's your flag on your lapel? For, for men on their suits in particular. Where's your flag? Where's your flag? You don't support America? Where's your flag? you got to show your flag if you really support America. That's what the mask has become for the left. Where's your mask? Where's your mask? Don't you care about other people? Why are you, why are you not concerned about COVID? Don't you concerned about this lethal disease? How come you don't have a mask? Where's your mask? Where's your? It's the same thing. Very, very well, a good analogy. Very well argued. 
And that's what's happening here. So anyway, Ron DeSantis, when he was, you know, again, very, I, I, I wouldn't call it aggressive. I wouldn't call it gruff. I wouldn't call it anything other than just direct when he said, you don't have to wear those. Take those things off. Listen again to what he said to the students. Uh, okay, maybe you can listen to him. Maybe you can't. Not sure why we can't in this particular case. Oh, yeah, that's why. Here we go. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this focus theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. If you want to wear it, fine. This is ridiculous. And then the exasperated sighs, he turned back around to the podium and right into the microphone. <sighs> So frustrated and tired of the COVID theater. Well, some criticized him and said he was too aggressive to those kids, those college students. Why did you tell them to take those off? So Tucker Carlson asked him that last night. Well, Tucker, none of the adults were wearing masks, and it seemed to me that someone told those kids they had to do it. So I just wanted to make it very clear, they do not need to be doing it. Obviously, in Florida, it's a free state. You can do it. But I think it's also important to point out that there's no reason to do it uh, for, for young and healthy kids, especially. And in the state of Florida, we never had a mask mandate, of course, but our guidance from our health department... Uh, cut off for some reason, but uh, I'll finish his thought there. The guidance from the health department is to wear these cloth masks. And it needs to be said, because some people have been lied to for two solid years, that the cloth masks don't do anything. And I'll add on to what the governor was saying there by pointing out that it says right on the on the box of the surgical masks, medical masks, or whatever you want to call them, that they do nothing to stop the spread of coronavirus. So it's all, again, it's a show. It's, it's literally COVID theater as... Um, uh, Ron DeSantis described it. It's COVID theater. He was right. Okay, now uh, let's go to calls. We'll hit uh, Kirtland. Eric, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Eric. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, not to mention the fact in the State of the Union, my wife pointed out that uh, the president coughed in his hand multiple times and then proceeded to shake hands with everybody as he was leaving. The, oh, the, I didn't the, even the, know that. Oh, yeah. that's perfect. So, that's perfect. So that Thank you. Sure. So I wanted to just push back a little bit. Um, uh, I, I really take offense, honestly, to all of the candidates for Senate riding the Trump train now, you know, choosing to do it. And I just have I, I called it one of the other Salem hosts. J.D. Vance just really grates at me. Um, I, I'm sure I still don't like the comment that he made and that he was basically just a never Trumper. And he doesn't really ride overtly the Trump train now, but I think he just wants that all to just go into the into the Netherlands. And the other piece of it is in his book that he his hillbilly elegy. He he spoke very favorably about Obama and made no mention of the fact that he the the former president went out of his way to try to destroy our country. So I just wanted to get on the airways and I appreciate the opportunity just to push back that he he is not the the horse for the course in in, in my opinion. So um having just had him on I just want to be able to put that that alternate opinion out there. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. It's not the alternate opinion by the way. I think that's the mainstream opinion among most conservatives that that they really were bothered by his comments. Uh, about Donald Trump being a never-Trumper, I never liked the guy, I'm going to have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary Clinton over him, and so on and so forth. A lot of people right. uh, have, uh, have have pointed that out. And, and I'll say this, I don't think, Eric, and thank you for the call, by the way, um, I'll let you go here, I, I, I don't think he's going to say out loud, I want the Trump endorsement, particularly after uh, you know the things that, that he did say. And Donald Trump is not necessarily one to 
Yeah. Suffer insults um, casually and then say, no big deal. You can still have my endorsement. I don't think he's going to be clamoring for the Trump endorsement the way some are. But I think if you listen to his comments that I, he made on my program today and the ones that he made on Fox last night, where he's very, very much America first, America first, America first, his policies that he's advocating for. We've got to, he said, for every dollar we send to Ukraine for aid, we should spend $3 on our southern border, building the wall, and so on and so forth. And so he knows Joe Biden, of course, is not going to do that, and the Democrats are not going to allow that. But he's saying it because that's what Donald Trump said, build the wall. Focus on the border first. Focus on what's going on here at home right now first. Worry about what's going on in Europe and other places later. That's his message, at least on the, this particular issue. And so it's very Trumpian. It's very America first. So he's not going to go out there and, and overtly say, I want the Trump endorsement, but he's going to try to preach the same policies in the hopes of winning favor with Trump Republicans. Having said that, I'll say this. Um, he's not the first guy to go very, very hard at Donald Trump in the early going and then have to admit when he saw that Trump's policies work that he was wrong. Um, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm glad I was wrong. He did, he did a great job. He did phenomenal things, and I'm glad I was wrong, and I'm glad I, I can admit that. Now, that's his response to all of Because I asked him that first time I interviewed him a few months ago. I said, J.D., and I played some of the cuts, and I said, you know, what are you going to say here? And he basically said, I was wrong. Whether you believe that he was wrong, that he believes he was wrong in his heart, or if he's saying he was wrong for the purpose of getting Trump Republican voters, is up to you to decide. Um, genuineness and sincerity uh, and passion for statements is, is sometimes hard to discern. What is somebody saying because they're a candidate versus what are they saying because they really believe it? That's what voters have to decide. And they have to decide that for all the candidates in their race. But he does have a lot of damage control to do. And the ads being run right now on our airwaves by Mike Gibbons about Jane Timken selling out Trump through the Anthony Gonzalez comments and, and about J.D. with the uh, his Trump comments is a very powerful and effective ad for a lot of people. It's reminding everybody of those statements. So he's still going to be in damage control between now and Election Day. Uh, and it's up to you to decide what's sincere and what's passionate and what's... Uh, uh, you know, what's deeply held beliefs and what, what are campaign statements. That's that's up for, for somebody else to decide. Let's go to uh, Mike next in Cuyahoga Falls. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Good morning. Go right, go right ahead, sir. How's it going? It's going well, Mike. All right. My question is this. Um, I don't believe in we should get involved with Russia and Ukraine. But is there a point to where we can't, Look away if he gets frustrated and decides to gas a bunch of people in there. What happens? You mean like Saddam Hussein did with his own people? Yeah. Yeah. Chemical agents like uh, uh, yep. Assad did in Syria. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Um, you're right, and and that's why I I do not believe in isolationist foreign policy. Now, I'm not saying that we're at a point where we have to get physically, meaning boots on the ground or, uh, or, or patrolling airspace and, and enforcing a no-fly zone with our own fighters, weapons, and so on and so forth. Well, the weapons we can provide to the Ukrainians to fight back, that's, that's an involvement that I think we should absolutely uh, be a part of. But at what point does it come, uh, do, do we cross a line? 
Or does does Mm -hmm. Putin cross a line, rather, that says, okay, our sanctions haven't had an impact, our uh, threats have not had an impact, our arming of the Ukrainians have not had an impact, he's he's just torn through uh, Ukraine in, in, in the worst possible way, killing civilians and targeting civilians along the way, and now he's on his way to Finland? And now he's on his way to to uh, to Sweden, which he has also threatened. At what point do we say, okay, now we actually have to physically get involved? I don't know what that point is, but that's obviously what uh, you know what we're expecting our, our leadership to know. Well, that's a scary thought. It is. Well, well, how do you answer it, Mike? Because I mean, that's the you know we're, we're, we all have our opinions on this, and in some cases we don't have an answer. And maybe that's where you are too by calling me. Uh, I, I do not think we can be isolationist and say we well, don't touch Ukraine until we solve our southern border problems. You know, that's what uh, JD was saying. I, I, I told him I disagree with that because we're never going to solve our southern border problems with Joe Biden and the Democrats in power. So if we just ignore Ukraine because we haven't fixed that yet, then I think a lot of very bad things can happen and they can build on themselves. So um, I think our military around the world uh, used appropriately could send a message to him that says, look, there is a line. We will get involved and we will take our chances. You know, I don't I, think it would me, be I don't think it would be unilateral though, right? It would have to be NATO. The entirety of NATO would have to be involved in this. Every NATO nation would have to be involved in this even though Ukraine is not a NATO well, member. We, we we couldn't we couldn't get ourselves involved in this from a, you know, any no, from a no, unilateral standpoint. I'm not standpoint. saying it has to be on the border. Um I I feel like sending China a message by, you know, planting our you know, ships out in front of Taiwan says that we're ready for serious action. Because if NATO, you know, for some reason feels like they have to go in and fight with Russia, well, they know that it's going to be a large portion of it is our forces, our money. Yeah, of course. So there, I, I really do think that Putin wants, and the reason why he's doing this now is because he doesn't feel like Joe Biden is going to react. So now I feel like he's going to try and figure out how far I could go. Just with how that. far I could go. No, I, I agree with you. Which is why we asked the question before, and Mike, I got a jet here, thanks for the call, about whether or not Lindsey Graham is on to something. Because he, Putin is going to go as far as he can go until somebody stops him. Now, what, what, what does stopping him entail? I brought this up before several times in the last week and a half since this all began. Which is more dangerous, a successful Putin or a failure Putin? If he's successful in, in this takeover of Ukraine, he's a danger. But if he is beaten and defeated by the Ukrainians and has to pull his troops back and go back to Russia with his tail between his legs? People like him, narcissistic strongmen like him, don't take defeat lightly. He might be more dangerous if he's been defeated because then he's going to use you know, extraordinary methods to, to reaffirm his strength. Those are all very legitimate possibilities. Quick time out, right back. Whatever tomorrow brings. We've got a better chance of survival if we work together. Together on Always Right. We stay together, we survive. With Bob France on AM 420, The Answer. So, you know, sometimes there are questions that really have no easy answers. 
And one of those was uh, something I was just talking about with the caller about how far is too far for Putin before the United States has to intervene in whatever way that is. But sometimes there are just questions that we don't know the answers to or we ha- there are no answers to them. And I just want to announce that from now on, when we encounter those questions for which we have no answers, we are simply going to ask the random talking Trump doll. It's the best gift I've ever gotten for Christmas. I've got the random talking Trump doll. I got it from my wife. And it's a it's a figurine. The only thing wrong with it, it's a perfect likeness, by the way, of President 45. The only thing wrong with it is that it... Uh, 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 the uh, Trump doll doesn't have the uh, MAGA hat on. But it's a perfect likeness of him in this figurine, and he talks. And I don't know what he's going to say next. Much like the real president, for uh, former president, uh, uh, Donald Trump, we don't know what he's going to say next. But that's what we're going to do from now on. If somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, we're going to push random talking Trump doll, and whatever he says is going to be the answer, whether it's relevant or not. I have a running war with the media. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. We might not have been asking about the media, but that's the beauty and the fun of random talking Trump dolls. So this is what we're going to do. I'm just, I mean, it's got 20 or 25 different phrases uh, that President Trump is going to respond with here. So uh, believe me, when we don't have the answer, we're going to turn to President Trump via the random talking Trump doll. I don't frankly have time for total political correctness and this country doesn't have time either i agree with that too chances are whatever he answers is going to be right regardless of what the question was random talking trump doll is my new go-to power from washington dc and giving it back to you the people i'm gonna have so much fun it was a christmas gift and i didn't know what to do with it it's just been sitting in my den and I know what to do with it. Now I know he is going to be my go-to to answer questions that I don't have answers to. So random talk, talking Trump doll is our guy. Uh, Donnie is in Euclid. Hey, Donnie, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, every time, I, I, every day, I wonder how in the world could people with any with a half a brain vote for somebody who literally has half a brain like by... I, um, Anyway, um, I, I didn't watch the uh, State of the Union show because I didn't, I, I couldn't stand the thought of watching a bunch of trained seals flapping their, flapping their flap, uh, flippers and all. The only thing that Donnie, Donnie, that's not Donnie, that's not far off. If you watched, and thank you, my friend, I got to run because I'm up against it here. But if you watched Nancy Pelosi behind him, that's exactly what she looked like. It was a trained seal. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you on uh, Monday. Have a safe weekend. Nobody loves it better than me. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.